Hi everyone, this is Thibs. Hey everyone, this is Cassidy. And today we're back with um, a new episode of our podcast in forever uh, to talk about uh, the latest installment of, a, uh, of in our in our very favorite game franchise, Assassin's Creed. Um, so we're going to talk today about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, so spoil, uh, j just a brief disclaimer here that this game's been out for about two months, three months now. It came out on November 10th, so we'll be getting into spoilery territory. So with that, let's take it away, Cass. Yeah, I mean, this is a game I think we were both really excited for, especially after really um, mm -hmm. great additions to the series like Origins oh, yes. and Odyssey. Definitely. And of course, you know, like the setting, being able to play mm -hmm. as a Viking, uh -huh. um, which is something the series hadn't ever really touched on or visited sure. up until this mm -hmm, point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know both of us were really excited for it. And it was also um, kind of interesting just to see where Ubisoft would take the franchise in terms of both gameplay, characters, and story, and um, all of that. There was a lot of things that were new in this installment and a lot of things that were, I think, different compared Absolutely. to older entries. Yes. Um, and, like, you know, like with all games and all franchises, there was always things that could have been improved on and things like that. So, um, yeah, we were really looking forward to, to playing it. And I think it's mm -hmm. it's a long game. We both finally had a chance to, like, kind <laughs> yes. of process everything oh, yeah. after several months, several weeks. Yeah, <laughs> um, yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun kind of exploring England in the ninth oh, century yeah. and playing as a Viking. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I know the two of us kind of enjoyed it not kind of we we did enjoy it <laughs> we did like oh my god Eivor as a character is so I mean of course all the uh, protagonists that we played as have been fierce and they've been awesome um especially the latest entries with Bayek and Cassandra I know we've loved them both like fiercely Absolutely. and Eivor is no different and although she's she, you could play as both male or female, or I chose to play as female, or and I think you did too, Cass. I did, yeah, uh, I did. yeah. So, but damn, uh, I think the character's progression from move—it's it, just—it's just amazing. You start in Norway, and then it just moves, and the events that take place causing them to start anew, like. I think that's an amazing journey. So speaking about the journey, let's talk about the characters here. So um, of course, uh, Eivor is my favorite in this game. Um, yes. <laughs> obviously, um, because considering Cassandra was our favorite in Odyssey, because oh, damn, I fell in love with her. Um, and Eivor is the same way. But yeah, let's talk about the other characters. What did you think about Sigurd and uh, uh, Varen and Rasta. Let's talk about the characters. Yeah, I mean, as with previous installments, this installment also had a really great cast of characters. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, characters like Varen and um, Rasta, you don't get too much time with them. It's very yeah. brief. So it's not, you know, um, you don't, I think, connect to them on the same level that you do with characters that you play as, like Eivor, characters that you see, see um, more frequently. Yeah, yeah, like throughout the different sequences, like Sigurd. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's 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 always nice because, like, you know, you do see kind of like the like the family or like the life the characters had prior to like the mm -hmm. events of the the game and things like that. But yep. it's also like a little bit bittersweet because I think 
if you've stuck around with the franchise for a long enough time, if you see mm -hmm. a parent, you kind of know, like, oh, this doesn't bode well. Or... This is not going <laughs> to end well, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, in, yeah. in that sense, I think, like, you know, characters like Varen and Rasta, as much as I liked seeing them, it was really hard to, like, kind of connect with them and, like, um, you know, yeah, I guess really get yeah. attached to them because yeah. they, they come and go so quickly. But then characters like Eivor, I mean, obviously because you play as Eivor, you know, I think most people or a lot of people can relate yep. or like empathize or feel some sort of connection mm -hmm. to the character because in a way, I guess it's kind of like, even though it's, you know, I think a lot of people know it's a character on a, on a screen, mm -hmm. you kind of like feel get like attached. you're becoming the character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get attached. So like definitely characters like Eivor are like, you know, the standout ones. But I mean, mm -hmm. in terms of like the, I guess, supporting characters, my favorite supporting character, I think, is Hytham, just because he's so like, <laughs> he just seems like a wholesome person, you know? <laughs> and like, he, he yes. questions things, but like, he's... Um, Loyal. Yeah, he is very loyal, and he's he's just a really nice guy. <laughs> I mean, and in a game where, like, that was one of the things I think this game did probably, I want to say, more than some of, like, the more recent entries. I feel like every character that you start with who you think is, like, a good person or, like, somebody you want to root for, by, like, the middle of the game, it's like, why am oh, I rooting yeah. for you? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Which is like how I felt, like especially in some of like the earlier sequences, like when you first meet Dag, um, who's like yeah, you feel like he's an ally and yeah, yeah exactly. And like I thought he was going to be like you know the like the Atawale to like Eivor's Edward Kenway or something. Or, like, yeah, exactly. Like have that sort of like dynamic of like you know like the main character and like their mm -hmm. best friend or like really good friend or whatever but mm -hmm. it became evident <laughs> pretty quickly that dad was not that person yeah, ended um, up to be ended up being a douche yeah yeah unfortunately so like so yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, characters like Dag, I think, were really surprising in the sense that, like, you start, or at least I start off, like, kind of rooting for them and, you know, waiting no, for, like, their yeah. relationship or friendship to, like, progress to, like, you know, the, the same way we saw in, like, Odyssey or um, Black Flag and, you know, just have, like, that really great, you know, bond um, and just be, like, a really supportive character in every sense <laughs> to yeah, the main character. Yeah, because we loved Varnavas, but... we loved Ade, mm -hmm. and we loved... Exactly. Yeah, but Dag is—he's not on the same level as them. <laughs> nah, he's never gonna be, cause like hell no, like yeah. And let's talk about these characters. Let's uh, because yeah, um, ah, like so starting maybe. I mean the game. I guess uh, how how do I say this right? So when we start the story, we look at Avor as a child at this North celebration, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And then suddenly they're attacked and that's how you find out um how Eivor lost her parents and that's when we meet Sigurd and and we end up finding out later that they took Eivor in uh, Sigurd's family took Eivor in into their own and that's how she knows Sigurd she ba uh, she uh, basically considers him her brother and right. Yeah, and that's a sweet. And again, we start out thinking, "Hey, that's a sweet bond between these two that they think of each other as siblings." But then, like you said, as the game progresses, we kind of question Sigurd's motives altogether because he starts being 
shitty, I guess. So let's talk yeah, more I'm, about that. Yeah, that's definitely one way to put it. I mean, I think like you said, when you, you see like the opening few sequences of the game, especially everything in Norway, mm -hmm. he comes across as like, I think a very level-headed type of guy until mm -hmm. like right before they leave. And I think one of the sequences where it's kind of like, at least for me, where I started questioning what Sigurd's deal was, um, was um, right before they're leaving Norway um, when Sigurd realizes that his father yeah. who's essentially like the leader of their clan or like the king has basically pledged allegiance to another to king. another king. Right, effectively. Their land. Yeah. yeah, and so like effectively Sigurd's inheritance or right, birthright or whatever you want to call it is no longer his. his. And it, he basically has like a temper tantrum and he's like it's it was my destiny to be like a king or a leader and, and you took that from me exactly yeah. so like that was like i mean i understand where he was coming from and i think as somebody who probably expected that to like you know be handed or passed down to him like it can certainly be very shocking and upsetting to, to or find or out to that, get like, that that's taken not... away from you yeah. right yeah exactly but like the way he <laughs> he handled it was a little bit like that was like i think the first time i was like oh i'm not so sure about him now <laughs> but I, I thought you know it was like a one-time thing or it could have been a one-time thing and mm -hmm. you know given the circumstances i felt like maybe it was just because of what was happening at that point in time so i didn't really think too much of it until yeah. further in the game when you get to england and um you start doing the whole arc with um, the Saga Stone and, and things like that. And that's where it really starts getting like, you kind of get as Fishy. both a player yeah. and yeah, as both a player and a character. I think like all the red flags start going off. It's like, what is Sigurd up to now? <laughs> and just yeah. like the way, you know, he had like all these ideas and, you know, aspirations of like becoming a leader and establishing his own settlement but Eivor is really the one Making doing the all the alliances. legwork. Yeah, 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 Eivor's out there, you know, like securing alliances, you know, conducting raids, you know, amassing wealth for like the settlement, um, mm -hmm. you know, recruiting services from like different people and things like that and Sigurd yep. is just kind of off just <laughs> chasing Galavanting. some sort of, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, that was like yeah, um, Sigurd's whole arc. It was it was definitely interesting, and again, I think this game did a really good job of um, kind of surprising us because when it started, it was, you know some the, the game kind of followed predictable Assassin's Creed patterns, like you know the loss of the parents, and, like a traumatic experience that kind of <laughs> sticks with the, the main character for, for many many years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like it was doing all these like you know predictable things that other games had done, but it still kind of did them in a way that was different and managed at least to mm. me to be like a little surprising not like I think by a certain point you kind of knew like Sigurd was a little <laughs> crazy, crazy and like not quite you know there <laughs> right or like not in the right frame of mind but um it still managed to be like surprising especially considering like when you first see him he seems like you know again kind of like a like a like the game I think wanted him to be portrayed or the way Eivor initially saw him as like a supportive older brother type figure mm. and then <laughs> the more you play and like the further you get in the main story it becomes kind of apparent that Sigurd's not really like I mean he might say certain things that you know suggest he's with you and mm -hmm. he supports what you're doing but the but then in the end go, he was yeah. out for himself Kind of, yeah. And he's also very, like, I think he's just so focused on, like, his goal of just becoming, like, initially starts with, like, becoming a leader, and then he's, like, convinced he's a god, which is, like, 
I mean, it's half right, I guess, but, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, he's just so focused on, like, proving it and, like, mm -hmm. that, that sort of, like, mentality, like, oh, I'm, like, I'm a god and everybody else is, like, a lowly peasant. Um, it, it doesn't work very well <laughs> with, you know, anybody, but least of all the people of his settlement in Eivor in, like, ninth century England, so, so, yeah. <laughs> No, I agree. And yeah, let's also talk about, uh, I mean, another character uh, like that, Basim, right? Like, so, I mean, I love the way they integrated assassins into this because I think in the games that we played uh, recently, the Assassin Brotherhood hadn't been set up yet, right? It was more right. like, uh, because in Origins, it was like, that's how the creed started kind of thing. That's what we're supposed to do. And then in Odyssey, obviously, it was Cassandra and, like dealing with the cult of Cosmos and not even knowing that the creed existed because it didn't exist at that time. It didn't. And right. now suddenly we're thrown into the, an era that's closest to the very first Assassin's Creed game that we got, right? This is the closest I think we've come to uh, that era. And then we see all these references to the uh, Assassin Creed Assassin's Creed lore, like the Hidden Blade and the actual Assassin Bureaus and stuff like that. Um, and it's interesting how we meet Basim and how he seems all, um, you know, supportive of a stranger getting the Hidden Blade, which is like supposed to be a sacred thing to the Assassins, right? And, right. And... We also see how Hytham is resistant to this because it's it's not something that should be taken lightly. And I kind of get where Bas uh, Hytham is coming from on that. And then, but later we understand why Basim was so okay with it, I guess. Yeah, no, he was definitely an interesting character. And again, this is probably getting into... Spoiler. A little bit of spoilery territory for anybody who hasn't finished the game, but also I think probably we'll cut into some of our other discussions about like the story and stuff. But yeah, um, Basim was also one of those characters like Sigurd, I think, who starts off like when you first are introduced to him, you think like, hey, he's like a good he's mentor cool. figure, or yeah. like yeah, again like another supportive character who. Um, you know, supports the main character throughout their journey. And in a lot of ways, he does that in, like, I would say, maybe, like, the first, like, I guess, half of the game, um, even a little bit beyond. But if you play through the different um, arcs and, like, the story, like, yep. if you do the main campaign and then yep. um, the, the Asgard and Jotunheim arcs and then the... the As you progress, um, basically, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, and then if you do, like, the Animus Anomalies, you kind of start seeing, like, there's more than what meets the eye. And then um, yep. when you do the the Saga Stone um, questline as well, you kind of start seeing, like, a different side to Basim where it's, like, initially he comes across as, like, very level-headed. But then again, at least for me, and I think I think we might have talked about this a yes. few times off recording yes. too, but it's, like, mm -hmm. it was really weird that when Sigurd was starting to like have delusions you know, of grandeur yeah and like saying i'm a god and like like this is my destiny I, i've been seeing all these things um i mean i think avor can kind of relate to that because she's been seeing visions of Odin herself but mm -hmm. um i don't think avor was ever under the delusion or had ever 
really thought or wanted to be a god and yep. so Eivor was kind of like okay I can kind of understand the vision thing but let's like let's, dial back let's the talk dial of being down. a god buddy um, yeah, and, and Basim do what we actually to, came like, here for yeah. right exactly and Basim just he never I mean he never said he outwardly supported Sigurd in his quest to you know attain godhood but he never did anything to stop him either and stop so like that's power trip either right yeah, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. for me that was kind of where I was like what what is he up to now because like up until that point he's been almost like the perfect supportive character like you know he gives Eivor the hidden blade and he knows a lot about the creed and he's like a mentor and everything Hytham says suggests that he's like you know this a good person great, and, yeah no yeah. you know great father figure great mentor figure but then yep. when you start seeing like his interactions with Sigurd especially in that arc mm-hmm. it's a little like a little fishy and you shady, kind of start wondering yeah, yeah shady yes. <laughs> so yeah so like, and again when you mm-hmm. when you find out um which again like i said i think it's kind of cutting into like a little bit of like the discussion on the story but when you find yeah. out who basim really is and um what he represents it's kind of like oh like <laughs> sometimes you don't always like i think especially when you start the game that's something that at least mm-hmm. i don't think we saw coming <laughs> oh definitely not like dude <laughs> We didn't. You're absolutely right. Uh, now let's talk about Randvi uh, because she's an interesting character. Um, so, from what we know about the story, basically Randvi is Sigurd's wife, and it was an arranged marriage. And you interact with her a lot in terms of the story, more of it because basically she's the one who gives you details about which alliances to make and where to go to start these missions and stuff like that. So yeah, let's talk about her. Yeah, I really liked, I mean, again, when the game first introduces you to her, it's just kind of like, I, at least for me, there was no like real attachment to her as a character because mm. it was just like, oh, she's Sigurd's wife. And, you know, you don't really, outside of like interacting with her in a few quest lines, you don't really do much in Norway. But once you get mm-hmm. to England, like you said, you know, she's um, the one who kind of gives you alliances. And as you go through the main story, like kind of interspersed between all of that, you know, when you interact with her, mm-hmm. you kind of get a glimpse of like, you know her character and who she is and it's it's you know like just little things but i feel like it just makes her character so much more enjoyable rather than yeah. just having her as like an npc who's like mentioned and who's like there giving you quests um mm-hmm. you know you can interact with her and stuff and then there is i think it's an optional quest line um the taken for granted quest where avor kind of says <laughs> be like you've been working too much let's go out for like yeah. a, a date yeah. basically Um, without even knowing it (laughs) yeah so you have the option of like taking her out to see things and it's like that was like a really funny quest for me because up until that point I think like that's what made me like genuinely really start liking Ronby because prior to that I don't really think I I had like too much of an opinion on her because she was just kind of there you know she just gives you quests and Mm -hmm. um, you interact with her and it's like the few times you see her it's like oh that's nice but like you know there's no real attachment like yeah and and if if they if there was ever a time where like the game was like pick a random npc to hang out with i don't think necessarily i would have chosen her but true um, true when you do like the the taken for granted quest lines and as you play through the main game and start talking to her um it's just like little things like build up and then depending on what you do by the end (laughs) you do have the option of romancing her which is um, Which is interesting, and, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because okay, because 
you wouldn't expect that. But then after you get to know her a little, you're like, okay, my brother's been taking this woman for granted and she likes me. What do I do? There was also like little things like when you go um, in Ravensthorpe, when you, you know, after you get to England and, and you build mm-hmm. up your settlement a little bit, mm-hmm. if you poke around um, the longhouse, you do see like little notes from Rondvi and one of them is like, she says something to the effect like it's getting increasingly difficult not to look across the table and see Eivor and not be reminded of like how much I love I them. I like something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's like cute little things like that it's and then you know, especially yeah. like, you know, finding out like it was an arranged marriage between her and Sigurd and like, you know, she's been trying to do her best to kind of like, you know, get through it and you know, do what needs to be done as both yeah. his wife and um, kind of, you know, taking on responsibilities while he's the, away and things like that. Of the whole tribe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, you, you kind of start empathizing a little bit more with her as the game progresses and as you get to see more of her. And I like that as, I guess, a choice, or I'm, I'm not sure if this was like a developmental choice or if it just happened as part of the game, but I like that the like the development team or like the writers or whatever like gave us this opportunity to interact mm-hmm. with her and she wasn't just like an NPC who had like some connection to the main character. Yeah, so like, you know, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a sweet, I think that was a good choice to make, yeah. Now, getting into the story, you mentioned the Asgard and Jotunheim arcs because I think, uh, well, uh, Assassin's Creed as a franchise has been really good with delving into the mythology of the culture or the period that they're getting into. Mm-hmm. Like with 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 Origins, they did so well with the afterworlds uh, based on Egyptian beliefs. Like they had the Duat, Aru, and all these afterlives that uh, uh, that we could delve into and go into, which is amazing. And we, they did the same for. Odyssey, we got to go to Elysium, we got to go to Tartarus, and then Atlantis again, right. which is amazing. And in here, because it's Norse mythology, we get to see Asgard, which is the home of the Norse gods, and the Jotunheim. So, yeah, let's talk about those arcs a little bit, because I think they, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, form, an, uh, form a very important part of the narrative. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it was really nice to one to see those environments because, again, like you said, the latest installments in the franchise have kind of mm-hmm. not shied away from, you know, exploring mm-hmm. the different mythological um, aspects or worlds um, that mm-hmm. the the game is set in. And um, yeah. I, I did yeah. like in this game. I have I have a love hate relationship with the Asgard and Jotunheim <laughs> um, I areas agree. and and, and yeah. that arc, but I did like that they didn't kind of just relegated it relegate it to a DLC like mm-hmm. it was in Origins and Odyssey this was you know part of the main campaign so it was you know additional areas for you to explore and well, do yep, things yep, in yep, yep. but um I think like you said I think by tying it to the story uh, for me at least personally I feel like they may have lost a tiny bit because one of the things that I liked in um Origins and Odyssey um was that because it wasn't a DLC you've already completed the main story and you've completed you know or at least I think I had and maybe others have, but it wasn't a requirement that you complete everything, but it was Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, the icing on the cake that you complete the main story and then you get these additional maps and things to explore, but you were not required to like, you you weren't required to finish them. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in this, the the game does give you a lot of freedom and, and again, you know, you kind of are just 
like once you're in the like you know the main the historical campaign you can kind of mm -hmm. do whatever you want yep. but i think by tying the asgard newtonheim arcs to the main story they kind of lost a little bit of like the exploration of like the mythology which i feel was like very um it was very much a thing in in like the the curse of the pharaohs dlc um from origins oh, yeah. or, like um the fate of atlantis dlc from odyssey like mm -hmm. i feel like there was a little bit more emphasis of like some of like the mythology um there was you are and, absolutely right about yeah that. i mean yeah. i have always like just from like you know it's a personal interest of mine i just like learning about mythologies yeah and um of course. i feel like i mean obviously egyptian mythology and greek mythology or like the history rather i think is like they're you know common commonly studied <laughs> eras and of course um, yeah. i think to a certain extent the viking invasions and like the viking era is also kind of studied but i feel like there's not, as not extensively though yeah right? not as extensive personally at least i mean i i can't say because i haven't you know no, I, haven't <laughs> I haven't either read that you're much, absolutely but, right um but yeah i feel like there wasn't as much emphasis on the on the mythology in this game as maybe i would have liked there to be so mm. i just felt like a little bit not disappointed, but I was kind of just expecting to, you know, learn more about Norse mythology beyond just like, you know, the standard of like, oh, this is Freya, oh, this is Odin, <laughs> you know, things yeah. like that. Because like, I think like that's, um, to a certain extent, it's like common knowledge in a way, you know, like it's very mm -hmm. like surface level, like stuff that like, I feel like almost anybody, like if you say, do you know anything about Norse mythology? I'm mm -hmm. sure even people who know like the bare minimum could be like oh yeah odin freya <laughs> like they're part of odin, the pantheon freya, thor loki yeah. right yeah so like i was kind of hoping for like a little bit more like you know i guess insight or like a little bit more tie-in to like norse mythology maybe something that like is not as common mm. um and i mean again because i'm have not extensively studied Norse mythology. Maybe there are things in there that, like, I just didn't know was like something that has to do with Norse mythology. But um, kind of just basing off of like what I remember from the Origins DLC and the Odyssey yeah. DLC, I feel like those DLCs, because they were DLCs, they had more freedom to kind of explore the mythology, and they didn't have to worry about you know, or they didn't have to worry too much about the main story mm -hmm. and things like that. Whereas this, the, yep. the. They, the tied itself, in yeah, they tied it in to the main, main story, story or yeah. very closely rather to, to Eivor. So um, you kind of need to like focus and like <laughs> pay attention, keep the main story in the back of your mind as you're doing this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so now, yeah, let's also talk about the gameplay here because they changed a lot with Valhalla. I think they did. They, yeah, because with our uh, with Odyssey and um, Origins, I think they started to get into full into RPG mode. This is full blown RPG, uh, and now it's like I think they changed a lot about what we do with these quests and the map and how big it is, what you get to do with it. Um, let's talk about the changes they made. Like, how did you feel about the exploration system and the map and uh, and what what part of this um, this game did you enjoy the most? Let's talk about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think again we talked about this a lot. Yep. Off recording, because yep. you know Valhalla, like you were saying, it, there are quite a lot of changes, and mm -hmm. there are a lot of 
upgrades, if you will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. 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 To the way the the game is played and things, but um, I I actually did like the exploration. I think one of the big things that it was a learning curve for for me definitely because I feel like Same. the other games kind of <laughs> held your hand. Held your hand as, as you did quests, and you know you would start a quest and you would say like go to this you know marker and the you know the on screen there'd be like a marker or like the map would tell you like specifically how far where. away it was yeah right and i think valhalla still kind of does that to a certain extent but like once you're within like an area where you need to be there's no like exact marker for like finding yeah you have to look for it yeah, yeah. so i did like that level of like um exploration and i did like i think um depending on the game i feel like for some games it works better for some it doesn't that sometimes like the, the distance as you travel, it actually feels like, you know, you're really going on a journey and not just like you're riding, you know, what, like 10,000 meters within like a I minute or something. I get what you mean. So um, I did like I things get what like you that. Mean. But um, I feel like they also kind of like dialed back some of the things that I really loved about Odyssey and Origins, like mm -hmm. especially, and I know we've complained about this, but the use of um, your avian companion, oh, um, which in yeah, this case, Sunin was like... Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, having you know, a, a feature with, yeah, having them. that feature was amazing in um, Origins yeah, of the Odyssey. And I feel like, yeah. yeah, it was very useful, and you know, beyond that, it was just kind of cool that you know they took Eagle Vision quite literally made it Eagle Vision. Eagle Vision, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Sunin is, is still, you know, it's it, she functions the same way, but doesn't have as much the same utility. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that was one of the things I would have preferred, I think, that oh, they didn't yeah. change. Um, yeah. Because outside of, like, just, you know, tagging a specific area, you don't really use her as much, which is a little, like, you know, disappointing because, like, if that's if that's all, I mean, it's kind of, like, almost like, why even have the why bird? do that? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Especially after you get used to Senu and Ikaros, because I remember yeah. we, we talked about this when Origins came out and they said, hey, literal eagle vision. We were like, what? And like, Yeah, it's like, how is that going to yeah. work? And like, oh, that feels kind of, you know, stupid and even seems kind of dumb but like yeah but when we early... actually use it it, it was, yeah, like, it was really cute it was cute and it was really useful and i found myself actually yeah. using senoni gross a lot more than lot. i thought i would yes. ever use them yes um and then to kind of do the opposite with sunin was a little disappointing because mm -hmm. i wanted to really use her and like you know kind of scope out the territory and you know kind of see what was going on but like but yeah it I didn't, didn't work. I, you end up yeah. really yeah personally I didn't use her much and it was a little mm -hmm. bit disappointing because I really wanted to to use her and, and have her do more than just like locate or like tag a specific area um but oh, yeah, I unfortunately yeah she just she doesn't have as much usability as her predecessors predecessors <laughs> sorry Sunin <laughs> Uh, like yeah uh, same uh, the exploration was a point of contention for me because like yeah like you said it was a huge learning curve because up until now I think you're very right in saying that they were holding our hand and basically like hey uh, go here do this and that's it but here with Valhalla you kind of have to think a little bit about where you're yeah. going it, it forces you to, to explore more which again mm -hmm. you know maybe some people like some people don't like it at first like the first couple of days I was playing mm -hmm. with it I was like you know mo like complaining and moaning like oh there's no exact marker that doesn't tell me like exactly where I need to yeah. go or, like you know the mm -hmm. exact 
you know, target I need to get isn't tagged. Mm -hmm. But I think the more I played it, the more I actually enjoyed it because it kind of gives you a sense of like, mm -hmm. I guess I like if, if like an element of like real, like it adds like some sort of element of realness to like the game because in real life if you're really doing this. <laughs> there's not going to be some magical marker that tells <laughs> you like, hey, this is your target or like, you know, okay. 100 meters to your next destination yeah. or <laughs> things like that. So like, it, no, I it, agree. I think yeah. enhanced like the exploration aspect. And I think to a certain extent, at least for me, it also kind of forced me to, you know, explore the world, which I really liked because I think a lot of games have been trying to like get to like this, you know, ideal open world um, experience. And mm. I don't know how many games can say they've successfully achieved it. I mean, even, I guess, to a certain degree, Valhalla may or may not be considered a successful open world. But um, for me, I really loved England. And it was, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by it because I was kind of thinking, you know, like we've seen a, a version of England with Syndicate. Syndicate. So, um, I mean, obviously, ninth century England is going to be very different, different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think part of me was just like, well, you know, it's England, like, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be like, you know, forests and stuff, which are pretty, but like, how nice can it really be? And then the game dropped and I was like, wow, <laughs> like, I felt a little bit Beautiful. like eating my words. Yeah, um, I know, yeah, I know what you they, mean. They did a good job, For like, sure. rendering England and like, you know, building ninth century England and stuff, and it's very like, mm -hmm. um, I think some people have said like it gives them like the Witcher 3 vibes, which I did get too, so mm. I really liked it. Nice. Also, let's talk about the raids, because I enjoyed the raids like crazy, because they I were did fun too. to do. <laughs> so like, you basically, you go to, a, go, to, go to a monastery and basically like, you know what, let's raid this place for supplies. Um, <laughs> yeah. You call your entire uh, raiding crew crew on your longship, and it's like all it's, hell it's breaks loose. It's, it's yeah, fun. It's a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be because I was yeah. thinking like, um, and I, I I said the same thing with Odyssey when they talked about like the conquest, conquest battles, and, battles. Stuff, and I was like, yes. what's the point of just having us, you know, like bash, you know, like a whole wave of enemies for like five, ten minutes or whatever, but. For me personally, I actually ended up liking the Oh my god, battles. I love the Conquest and, battles. They yeah, were so much and, fun. Yeah, I mean, it, and at least for, for us, I mean, I'm sure there are people who may have found it kind of, you know, unnecessary or boring. But um, They put the, it into the story, at least in some parts. So They did, yeah, yeah. And um, the, the nice thing, at least about Valhalla, that I thought was that it kind of upgraded the Conquest battles. Because in Odyssey, it's yeah. literally just, you know, you're fighting a wave of enemies until you either win or lose. But in mm -hmm. Valhalla, you know, you have, obviously, you, you do fight, but you also get to loot things. And, you know, it's, mm -hmm. I think, as much And about, it's like, necessary the for you to loot to, uh, you know, upgrade your settlement or whatever. Right, so. yeah, exactly. And it's, I think, in some instances, it's as much about the exploration of, like, the monasteries and the surrounding areas mm -hmm. as it is about, like, actually raiding the place itself. So, yeah, I did oh, yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, it was super fun to do that. I agree. And now let's talk about the score. Um, because, oh damn, Jesper Kidd and Sarah Shackner came back I and just blew you. it out. <laughs> 
of I know. The I cannot tell you how hard I've been fangirling since like they've dropped. Yeah. Between now and the release of the game, there's mm-hmm. been six versions of the album. The soundtrack. Yep. Um, yep the yep, soundtrack yep. rather that have come out because I think both Sarah and Jesper released like their own EPs, and then mm-hmm. um, I think Einar the also released. And then yeah. Einar did, yeah. And then he did the Sarah vocals, and Jesper. Right? He did a lot of the vocals and he did some of the tracks, but I will say like the one thing that this game has kind of done, at least for me, is it's kind of like opened up new um, musical interests because prior to this game, I had never heard of like Einar. I didn't know anything about him or like mm-hmm. um, his music, his band or, you know, anything mm-hmm. related to like, I guess, Scandinavian music. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. now I'm like obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, like, one positive to come from this. But even just, like, mm-hmm. beyond that, I mean, the the music in this game is just so epic. Like, so I cannot, good. like, I'm such a big fan of Sarah and Jesper's, like, having them both work on this score together and then having, like, Einar come Absolutely. in to, like, add that element of, like, authenticity and, I guess, just kind of make it a proper Norse-sounding soundtrack, if that oh, makes yeah. sense. Oh, yeah, I think Ubisoft has um, always... This franchise has always been good with the soundtracks, man. Like, yeah, no, honestly, their soundtracks have always, yeah. you know, consistently... Like, even if the game has, like... If you think it's tanked or if it, had, like, financially has not been, you know, like, a bestseller or whatever, like, their music mm-hmm. has always been amazing. And then to get, mm-hmm. you know, two artists like Sarah and Jesper and... Well, three oh, my actually goodness. with Einard to, like, come and... and work on this soundtrack and um the fact that they were able to to like do it all while in quarantine is like it's crazy mind-boggling and i think like they they did interviews and i think sarah mentioned that like Mm -hmm. they recorded a lot of their stuff independently Mm -hmm. and then like just kind of i guess merged it together or something it doesn't sound crazy to do but wow like that's the amazing thing that it doesn't sound like you know three different artists recording it and just slapping something together like everything mm. just kind of works with each other like all mm. the tracks just work so well together and um they've each kind of managed to like keep their distinctive styles in each track and yeah mm. i mean like i'm no you know musical expert or anything but like oh definitely the, the soundtrack has been on repeat on my playlist for like <laughs> the better for part of the last time. three months yes <laughs> yeah especially with jesper kid who He's the person who started it all for Assassin's Creed I, music. I know, in terms right? of, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, his original, like, Ezio's family score uh, was, like, amazing. Yeah. And then... It became the anthem for the franchise. I mean, yeah, like... Yeah, exactly. It, and then to have, like, different reworkings of it or, like, different, mm, you know, like, reimagining. about this or, a like, lot, yeah. It's just, oh my god, like, I didn't think they could ever top like the original or like even get close to like you know being on that level but then in origins because sarah did the soundtrack for that as well um the first time i heard like yeah yeah, the first time i heard the origins version i was like i wanted to cry (laughs) and they did like a reimagining of it for valhalla and i was just like over the moon it was epic Oh, definitely because like it's beautiful how they did that i feel like Ah, I mean, I think they've been great with soundtracks overall, but damn it, like, it's been amazing to listen to all these versions of the the theme and then finally come up with 
this the Valhalla version of Ezio's family is also just amazing with the vocals and it's 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 just beautiful every time you think like that could not be a track as epic as like the original they always manage to put out something that's just like like wow blows your mind (laughs) yeah yeah because literally it blew my mind because they've done such a good job of it like it's 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 just incredible how what they came up with and i mean and like we said the score has always been just one of the best things about this franchise i think that and the voice acting has always been on par so let's just talk about that as well i mean I played as female Eivor, and I loved uh, I loved her voice actor Cecily Stensfield. I don't. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name because I wouldn't know how to. But it's Cecilia, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure either. But I think they both Magnus Braun and 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 she they both did a phenomenal job. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, again, I think like you said, the franchise has always. Um, cast like the perfect voice for the character mm. not always you know made full use of their accents and things like that but that's another uh, <laughs> unity that's another story yeah <laughs> but no i mean i i also played as, as female eivor and i think um you know it, it part of it is down to like personal preference you know who you want to play as what gender that type of thing mm-hmm. um but i mean it was very different and um i Initially, I think the first time I heard her voice, I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting that they went for like a much more, I guess, unique sounding voice, if that makes sense. Yeah, because she, um, yeah, her voice is like that. I it, I don't know, but yeah. You're yeah, right. I think people were just kind of expecting like a very, I don't want to say like soft spoken, but I guess like maybe because I she feel like even sound I. She rough. Like, I, yeah, uh, her voice is not. It, I think um, it's like I think I guess it sounds husky, but like I think subconsciously, at least for me, and you know, this is probably mm-hmm. something that I'll not do in the future. But um, <laughs> I think because you're just so used to seeing like okay, like this is a female character and expecting like you know like what we would consider I guess like a classic or like normal female sounding voice, which yeah, is not, like but very what husky even or like gruff. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like you know, I think like at least for me, like I went in thinking like oh there might be like a certain sounding voice, and then the first time I heard it, like you know Avor speak, I was like oh wow, that's like very different than what I would have thought. But um, I mean, I really liked her as a character and I mean yeah, I think same. Cecilia did an amazing job with the voice acting oh she um, did and she... it's just like the way like you know she brought Eivor to life and even like Magnus I mean I haven't played as, as him yet in my playthroughs but, but playthroughs. Um, yeah. yeah and I think like he also did like an amazing job of just like breathing life into these characters and like you mm-hmm. know all like the, the funny moments and like you know like the things like that like <laughs> you know when you needed it to count I never felt like you know the the delivery or like you know the voice acting or anything was yeah like, we yeah. never felt that mm-hmm. yeah so i've also I, I like heard <laughs> uh so again going into spoilery territory here uh especially when it comes to the gruff voice kind of thing i've also heard that it could partially be because if you look at the beginning avor was actually bitten in her neck by a wolf and she escaped that so <laughs> Some people have said that it's possible that that caused some sort of oh, like a vocal like a vocal cord damage thing. or something. Yeah, it's possible, oh, and that's why she had not heard that. Like no, that's just a rumor, but it's a possibility. But I'm yeah, not I saying mean, it was I mean, a. Yeah, 
So, I mean, it's to me, it's amazing at all that Dave were managed to get up and walk away from that, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure, mauling incident, because I can guarantee you if that had been me, I would have been dead, or if I, I somehow like, managed to yeah. survive, I would have died very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, but, I'm sure. Yeah, I know the fact that she was able to survive, and I mean, I that's an interesting theory. I never thought mm -hmm. about that, but um, yeah, I, I think part of it is also, you know, I think not every woman needs to sound like a you oh, know normal woman agree. or something yeah, you know they don't need to have, have like to a squeaky oh, yeah. high pitched voice or like a soft yeah. spoken voice or they can just you know be whatever they can just be them <laughs> but, like it yeah, doesn't really yeah. matter but i mean i think in this case it's i think it was theory. like more about yeah i think at least from what i would assume i would assume mm -hmm. you know it was not about finding like you know a specific type of voice where like yeah or it was just more about finding like somebody who could you know, like, I think it was just like something that like clicked, like, I guess when the oh, casting directors oh, yeah. heard Cecilia and Magnus speak, they're like, that's it, like, that's our voice. That's for our voice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, it was, like I said, when I first heard her speak, I was like, oh, that, like, that's very, she sounds very different than, than what I thought. Yeah, but, she does, but um, it's a good thing. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really liked her and I didn't mm -hmm. have any issues with her voice, same, but again, I mean, same. you know. People, people they, they want to play it. Well, yeah, but you know, to each his own. <laughs> or yeah, to each pretty own. much. I'm not. I'm not but, gonna. To each their own. I'm not gonna. Yeah, exactly. Think about that. Um, oh, damn it! It's like, and also looking back at the gameplay, I love the power system that they have with this because there's no there's less grinding because of it what did you think of that because in here you gain xp you gain power levels based on that so let's talk about that what do you think about that yeah it was very different um i think there are kind of still some elements of like grinding but it, it i feel like you you definitely don't feel it as much as you did in odyssey mm. um, because mm -hmm. odyssey for better or worse, had like that really annoying like meter, and it would tell you leveling system. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Leveling system, but also like every time you got XP, it would tell you like you have like, you know, a thousand XP out of like however many, and especially once you got to like you know the higher level levels. fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah or like you know anytime you I think once you like past i think it was like 65 or 75 or something you started needing mm. like for a million xp oh that is Odyssey. so true and yeah. like it wasn't difficult but you know if you were if you had finished you them, a million conquest like, battles and stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah. but still <laughs> I mean, it took a bit yeah. i will it, agree it with you on bit. that and in this game in valhalla i liked that it there was still like an xp meter and you know everything you did gave you xp but it mm -hmm. wasn't it didn't feel as grindy because I feel like mm -hmm. a I don't know if they did this for a reason or they just didn't include it, but they never told you exactly like how mm -hmm. much XP you needed. I think to get to the next level. Yeah, it just showed you a like, meter, and if it filled up, you got two skill points, and that's it. Yeah, and like I yeah. never looked at it as much, and also I think by not tying the skill points so closely with like abilities, the, the, yeah, the abilities, mm. it actually made for a more enjoyable gameplay experience, in my opinion. Because I was agree. never like in Odyssey, you know, like I was constantly like, when can I get like my next skill points and like what abilities? So I can, can I get, get abilities. Like, yes. Yeah, yes. I never yes. really like, you know, I mean, in, in Valhalla. I not have fun playing it. It was fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but... but in Valhalla, I never mm -hmm. really focused as much on it. And I think by, you know, kind of separating them, it kind of allows you to enjoy the gameplay a little bit more. Because in Odyssey, Agreed. it was like, okay, if I want this skill to add to my skill wheel to like, you know, use when I'm yes. fighting I have to do you know x y and z and you're kind of so focused on getting x y and z done to get the skill that maybe you don't the skill enjoy that you need yes yeah yes. whereas in Valhalla it's kind of like the skills are just all over the map you can get mm -hmm. them whenever you want basically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
you just have to, you know, either be brave enough to like go to higher level regions if <laughs> yes. very low level or just, you know, yes. level up with the game and then get the abilities when needed. Yeah, but like the game never prevents you from getting the abilities. Whereas I feel like Odyssey, because it was... a wonderful thing. You, I yeah, absolutely yeah. agree with you on that. And like uh, that was the other thing that I really liked too. I think Odyssey, um, a lot of like the really cool um, skills were kind of like you know, at the top of, like, the, the tier, and, you know, you mm. kind of have to, like, unlock some of the other stuff. And you had to get to... all the ability points to unlock them, and then there were three levels of each yeah. of those skills, right? Yeah, and because... in this one, it was, like, there was yeah. two for each ability, but, like, you know, basically, you could you could find the... the you could the find abilities. them. Yeah, you could like, find the, them. Yeah. anywhere yeah. in the world. So yeah, they counted as wealth, so you could basically go there and just collect it instead of having to work for and gain XP and then spend ability points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get what you mean. But there are some skills, like something like uh, looting while you're in stealth or gaining adrenaline while you're in stealth. I think they changed that up a lot. Like, I think they, they used did, yeah. to auto-generation, regeneration of your health, which is not something that happens in this game, right? No, but, unfortunately so that's not. That's a little bit different. So what did you think about that? Let's talk about that a little. Yeah, I mean, they, they did, like you were saying, tweak some some of the things, and it does take some getting used to. Mm -hmm. um, but I find that once you kind of get used to the way the game works, mm -hmm. it's not too much of a, of a change, or at least to me, it didn't feel like anything too radical or like too annoying to have to do. And I yep. initially, like, I think I kind of felt that way because in Odyssey, once you pass, I think, what is it, like level 30, Cassandra stops taking fall damage, so you can like, you know, I love that. You can oh, jump off of pretty much anything thing. and I mean, that's the one you know, thing I miss. I agree. Well, with in you. this game, like that was the one thing that I thought I was going to miss too. But there is a skill that I, I forget what it is, but you know, it does it, it lessens the it amount lessens of fall damage. Fall damage. I, yeah. yeah and so I, I find that. that like nine times out of ten, if I you know do the leap of faith wrong, and things like that, um, mm -hmm. even when I should die, I end up losing like sometimes most of my health, but usually I don't end up dying. So, for for you know, most instances it doesn't really bother me or really affect my gameplay and even um i think once you gain um all the health upgrades which are you know again it's not like tied or you know locked behind certain things you can just kind of find them in the skill tree and you just need the skills either like on either side of them or in that branch or whatever um mm -hmm. once you unlock all the the health um upgrades mm. you, it kind of you don't really need um that much like the, the healing is not as much of an issue because, um, I mean, I haven't even reached, I think 400 is the level cap and I haven't reached level 400. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I'm like, I, I haven't even done my last um, rations upgrade and I'm fine. Like, I don't I don't even go through like four, yeah, like, right I think I have five that. rations mm -hmm. and I probably go through like mm -hmm. one or two max when fighting really yep. hard bosses or really difficult enemies. Yeah, So it wasn't I too agree. difficult personally. <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. I agree with you. So, ah, that's, yeah, they made a lot of changes that are good, and there are some, th again, I think it's just more that they made made it different, so it took a little they, getting yeah. used to, so. Yeah, they, yeah, I mean, a lot of it, like, I think they, they changed a lot of um, the way the, the story and, like, the different arcs integrate, and that's actually something that um, I know, again, we've talked about a lot extensively mm -hmm. off the court, recording mm -hmm. but um now that we are on recording um there was also <laughs> uh, we talked yes. a lot about like how the, the the 
game kind of has three different arcs that are kind of broken up in different activities and um, you kind of have to do all of them to get the full picture of oh, the, yeah. or like the true yeah. ending. Mm -hmm. So um, how did you feel about that? Because I know I had a lot to say about that. <laughs> oh, uh, we've talked a lot about this because, ah, damn it. Okay, so here's my feelings on that because I love doing all the I, I love completing all the activities in a game and that's great right but for you to make it completely necessary for you to understand or get the full picture in the story is kind of a mm, I wouldn't say yeah I wasn't a fan of that move basically yeah no like, I'm Totally on the same page. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know or just haven't gotten far enough in the game, I think a non-spoiler way of saying it is the there's like the main story. You have to do like, the main story. You have to finish the animus anomalies, and then yeah, and then Asgard do the Asgard. and the yeah. for you to understand what happens at the end. Um, and so, yeah, I think like I think my biggest gripe, not even so much that the game requires you to do that, but like it never tells you, and there are ways you can spoil yourself without knowing. I think and I you think, did, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I spoiled myself for a number of different reasons, and you know, not the least was because, like an idiot, I you know went online and read things and went on YouTube, and people had all sorts of spoilers and thumbnails. But <laughs> that's a different <laughs> story. But I think, like the for me, I think my biggest gripe was that like there the way. Um, the game presents some things is like mm -hmm. it can be really confusing so like um, the the Asgard arc is one where initially you start I want to say you do the first um, bit in Asgard I think like around level 90 and then you have to go back I think like around level 180 and do like the Jotunheim arc and then when you're done oh, yeah. you leave Jotunheim and then you have to go back to Asgard but like the game just basically has like a prompt that's like return to Asgard and it's like Okay, but then, like, what am I doing? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know, I felt like, like that's a bad example because I think I was probably just too too stupid to figure it out the first time. <laughs> but no, things it's like that, the, yeah. mm -hmm. the, the Order of the Ancients um, quest line, like, when you start hunting down all the Order of the Ancients, it's connected to the different um, regions that you, like, raid and liberate, um, yep, yep. essentially. So if you... Mm -hmm do things in a certain order you can actually find out who the grandmaster is without actually like revealing him and it's kind of like a like a it's like a very i mean it's it's to some people it's probably a minor thing and to me it doesn't like you know just that particular thing doesn't bother me but the, the like the idea that like just having a game that like you know like there's all Spoils these different that for you no well, yeah i mean to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, there's just so many, like, different, you know, like, threads in this game, and they're all interwoven, and the idea that, like, the game just doesn't prompt you to do certain things is a little bit, like, disappointing, yeah. because, like, I appreciate now not having my hand held through, like, every single aspect of the game and being told, you know, like, exactly what to do, like, all the time, but, you know, little things like, you know, just like a, a prompt that would have said, like, hey, if you want to do this quest line, we recommend that you finish this quest to get, like, the best experience or whatever, like, little yeah, things like that, that I feel like yeah. would have been helpful, A warning but... would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, even for, you know, other things like, like, 
even just knowing that these three like arcs are like interconnected the only reason i knew is because i got spoiled and so and i was you like you told me about it and that's yeah. how i was like okay fine because like once you finish like the main the historical campaign or whatever you want to call it um that kind of wraps up you know Eivor in a very and, interesting way if i might add yeah yeah absolutely but like that kind of takes care of like the whole you know england um arc and like you know the settlement and things mm -hmm. like that but then it doesn't answer questions of like why Eivor was getting visions of odin um what it has to do with like or like mm -hmm. how the asgard and jotunheim arc are connected um so if you've just done like the historical how it stuff even relates yeah 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 so like i mean and like that was the other thing too like when i was initially playing prior to getting spoiled um i had heard about like the asgard and jotunheim arc but i didn't know that they were so like intricately interconnected tied to yes. Yeah. yes so my initial thought was you know i'll just finish like all the historical stuff and then i'll do like the asgard and jotunheim arc and mm -hmm. then because i got spoiled and i kind of i, I read and saw some stuff um I, I knew like okay i have to do them around the levels that are suggested and not wait in order for things to make sense but like there's oh, yeah. nothing really in the mm -hmm. game that like prompts you and says like do this now in order for like the ending to make sense it just says makes like sense. recommended level mm -hmm. is this level so you can do it if you want but if you don't want to like you know like a you don't have character. to but if you do yeah. it, nothing will make sense <laughs> basically yeah so like little things like that um mm -hmm. that just you know i mean for for better or worse like i mean i did enjoy the the whole story and i did like you know learning everything oh, yeah. that we learned about this game but i feel like the way it's just broken up into so many different like parts i feel like that could have been improved a little bit <laughs> i'm not mm -hmm. quite sure how mm -hmm. but i feel like you know there's definitely or personally i felt like there's something they could have done to make it a little bit more i guess like digestible if that's a word if that makes <laughs> sense. yeah I, you're absolutely right but also you're ah okay you touched upon an important subject here especially the um the whole um all the arcs that you have to finish for the story to make sense and let's talk about how the story ended and how how it affected the modern storyline because like damn uh, i mean i think that's some that, that's some really interesting stuff they gave us to tie everything in and uh, uh, some really good callbacks to the older games as well so oh, yeah absolutely let's talk about that let's talk about Layla uh, as the modern day protagonist and how yeah we had a lot of issues with her with how she behaved in Odyssey especially mm -hmm. during the DLC the second DLC right, right. so I think yeah, what did you think of about her character in this story in in Valhalla and how they handled that? Valhalla definitely, I mean, definitely made me feel more sympathetic to her again. I mean, in Origins, mm -hmm. when you're first introduced to her, I was really excited about it because yeah, one, I mean, um, it was nice not to have a floating head or like you know a random non-seeable yep. character or like just have yep. somebody on like you know the assassins team or whatever speak to you is like the player or whatever but mm -hmm. um i think also one of the things that the earlier entries managed really well was kind of the balance between like the modern storyline and the historical storyline and having a modern character um who was you know genuinely pretty likable like desmond um, mm -hmm. was great in the earlier game so it was kind of 
disappointing to see in Black Flag, you know, you're just kind of like a floating head and, um, and <laughs> yeah. Unity was kind of just like, you know, We've you were being this. spoken to, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and things like that. But yeah, I think like you said, in Odyssey, it was a little bit weird to see Layla in the main game because um, at, at the end of Origins, um, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't played, but um, in Origins, she kind of ends up forming a very tentative a alliance. Weird with, alliance with William Miles, yes. Yeah, and then when Odyssey starts, it's really weird because you kind of see like this tentative alliance at the end of Origins and at the beginning of Odyssey, almost like right away when you see her, she's like a full-fledged assassin. assassin and yeah. she's like very into it and she's like got her own team or like part of her own team and um, she's worked closely with some of these people it seems like so it, it just like it was a little weird to see her in the main game for mm -hmm. Odyssey because there was a lot of like unanswered questions like you know what changed between the end of Origins yep. and the beginning of Odyssey and things like yep. that but yes. then in the Odyssey DLCs um, it was also very weird because I feel like she was almost out of character in a way and i think you know some mm. of that is explained by her having the staff and um mm -hmm. you know now being the keeper and things like that but it just still seemed like really weird and by the end of the odyssey dlcs i was kind of you know annoyed of her and i was just like i have no like real like interest in kind of picking up with mm. her story because yep. it just it didn't they left like it was... in a weird place yeah they did yeah and so like i was just kind of like oh, i don't know about layla anymore but Origin, I'm oh, sorry, Valhalla, it, it did, I think, a good job of, at least for me, um, making oh, me you're sympathetic right. again to Layla and oh, yes. kind of rooting for her. And I think one of the really nice things about Valhalla is that there's very little um, in the way of, like, the modern story um, until you get to, like, the end of the historical thing. So um, I think you, you probably play as Layla or like see Layla like w once in the beginning. And I think you, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you actually see her again until the very end, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You don't get out of the Animus much at all. And yeah, you only nice see her during the anomalies, which is right, also yeah. cool. Yeah, so like that was nice because it's you kind of get more uninterrupted time in the Animus playing as Eivor and you know doing whatever um, Eivor needs to do. Whereas I think in like some of the earlier games, it would be like do two sequences and like you're pulled out of the Animus to do something in the modern world and then like you're put back in and do two or three more sequences. So it's like very, yep. um, not jarring, but it could be in, in some of the older games to go back and kind of get back into like that sort of gameplay. So I did like that in this game there was very little interruptions in like mm -hmm. the, the animus storyline or whatever you want to call it. But No, I um, agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, the the game does a good job of making it a little bit more sympathetic because you find out that um even though she's, you know, been entrusted the staff and, you know, there's all this like, you know, she's supposed to do all these things, essentially, it kind of just boils down to, like, she was just born to die at this one spot in time, and it's just like, oh, that's kind of depressing, and um, it's, in a way, I guess, almost kind of admirable how she kind of, you know, <laughs> handles that situation, because I feel like if that oh, yeah. were me, I would be, like, screaming, like, what do you mean I was just born to, like, die here, or, like, I'm just like I'm just like a pawn in like a much larger game or whatever, and she's just kind of like okay, whatever. Like I can't change that if I'm dead, like, or if I'm stuck in this place, I'm stuck here. So let's just focus on what I can do or what we can do. Um, so I thought like that was really interesting. But genuinely, by the end, I was kind of rooting for her, and I did feel genuinely oh, yeah. sorry that 
it seems like we're not going to get to play as her in future installments. And so that actually made me kind of sad. I was like, oh, I didn't expect to feel this like moved or saddened by not being able to play as Layla because when Odyssey ended, I think we both were kind of like, we don't really care if we get to play as her. We don't really care if we like do. Yeah, it's just I like agree whatever. With you. Yeah. <laughs> with this game, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to play as the alternative. I'd much rather have Layla back. So. <laughs> Oh, no, I completely agree with you because, I mean, spoiler alert, uh, again, Basim turns out to be the villain here, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, it, it's shocking to say the least, right? Because it's, it's oh, no, crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, and... it's very, like... And like, the thing that always, at least to me, mm-hmm. kind of made me like stop and be like, what is it with this guy? It's just kind of like the way Basim like, approached this whole thing. So his whole thing is like, he's the reincarnation of Loki, or like he's Loki. got Loki's memories. A grudge or... against Yeah, Odin. so he has a grudge against Odin, who is reincarnated or is in the form of Eivor. Eivor, has a connection to Eivor, however you want to phrase that. Mm-hmm. And so he, like, in at the start of the game, that's kind of why he was following Sigurd around and why he, like, you know, even approached Sigurd in the first place because he thought, you know, Sigurd was, like, you know, the one he really had to have some sort of quarrel with. But then he finds yep. out, like, at the at the end of, like, the, the main um, campaign that it's actually Eivor, and, like, without missing a beat, he's just like, oh, I thought Sigurd was the one, but no, it's you, Eivor, and he's just, and like, just, instantly, yeah. like, on her, like, it's your fault for, like, X, Y, and Z, and it's, like, I mean, never mind that it was, like, Odin who did all those things, but, like, Eivor has literally done, like, nothing to you, dude. <laughs> I mean, very exactly. literally. I think one of the choices is, like, you can punch him, but, like, if you don't do anything or if you're like a non-confrontational player even if you are confrontational i mean i don't think there's much eivor in the you know main story really does to him other than like maybe punch him once or twice right i think just uh, once yeah yeah i think so i think you're right but it was just like the way he you know like instantly like without missing a beat the minute he realized like sigurd wasn't the one he needed to have it out with he like instantly turned on eivor and he was just like oh, like, you're the one that I really need to have a quarrel with, and, like, I'm gonna, like, fight you now, and it's just, it was very weird, because, at least in Mm -hmm. my playthrough, um, and, like, the way I did it, I had very little interaction with him, I didn't punch him in the, um, one initial uh, instance yeah I yeah, didn't yeah either. With, with Sigurd um and you know other than that he kind of just like helps you and I think like there's one scene that starts off like kind of very moving but then by the time you get the full picture and you realize what the theme is talking about it's like You're, yeah because um I mean, but but when the scene first happens you don't think about that that's the beauty of it yeah, and, I think again, like that lends yeah. itself to, or that's a credit to Darby's um, oh, writing of the game. I think he's done a phenomenal job with this game. In a oh, way, yes. I think like it. I feel like there were like a lot of like very little surprises. Like there were never um, like any like oh my god, like you know, like mm-hmm. my mind is blown moments. I mean, there were some of them. I think actually, but like it was we'll never like consistently. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like, it's not like every single reveal was like a, oh my god, like, I can't believe this type thing. Like, I think, you know, we kind of saw certain things coming, like, you know, Sigurd's mm-hmm. arc. I think a lot of people rightfully probably predicted that he was, you know, going crazy and, <laughs> um, you know, becoming a, a massive, you know, jerk and not at all living up to the Sigurd that we, 
I guess initially we thought he was going to be. We would be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think they just did a really great job with like all the characters because, um, Basim especially, like he was the one character I would not have expected to end up where he ended up, and then it turns out that mm-hmm. not only does he, um. End up being the villain. He also ends up getting the staff, which yeah, is like the staff, and he comes or he becomes like apparently the modern, the modern day protagonist. protagonist. And it's like yeah. of all the characters, like why him? <laughs> like I know why. Oh but yeah. It's just, you know, like, I mean, after... it hurts, you know, after Layla. Yeah. Yeah, and like that's why I end up feeling so bad for Layla because even though you know she obviously went through quite a bit at the end of um, Odyssey, Origins does a good job. I'm sorry, Valhalla. I don't know why I keep calling it Origins. <laughs> Um, well, just a good job making her like kind of uh, at least to me like you know relatable more, yeah mm-hmm. and I felt more for her and I definitely felt bad that you know she ended up um where she did just kind of like in some sort of void with the reader who's implied to be Desmond and it just Desmond! kind of like yeah she was just one of those oh my god moments that, yeah. yeah that was definitely one of those oh my god moments but um mm-hmm. it was little things you know like it was never like you know like a huge reveal but like there were a lot of like little like oh my god moments sprinkled throughout the story and i think like you know they all add up and um for us anyway i think we really enjoyed the main storyline oh, yeah. but yeah definitely on 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 Basim and his villainy i think we were kind of just like Oh my Not God. at all looking forward yeah. to playing as him in future installments if oh, he's yeah, going to be the definitely. modern protagonist. <laughs> I agree on that. Definitely not. But okay, now let's talk about the oh my God moments of this game. I think we've talked about this a lot. Um, <laughs> my favorite oh my God moment is Eivor's battle with Odin. It really I, is. Yeah. Because... That's, again, that's just yeah. a credit to, I think, Darby's writing oh, yeah. capabilities yes. and like the way they were able to I, I think craft the story because I think one of the interesting things about this story mm-hmm. um, that's different from games like Origins so, like it didn't have at least to me like there was I didn't feel like the ending was like you know quite on like the scale of like Origins in the sense where there's like you know a huge mm-hmm. huge boss fight and like you know yep. the, all these things like leading up to it like you certainly do mm-hmm. that in Valhalla to a certain extent but it felt yep. kind of like on a smaller scale yeah like the, yes. the, I mean it just it's, it's kind of hard to describe but it's just like the way the game and the story was crafted and like you know you go through all these different missions and you know every time you know you you do something um, or you you kill like an order member or any like prominent figure within the game like Odin's kind of always there you know like mm-hmm. talking to Eivor and you know suggesting yeah. things and this that's and that. because and you kind like of... you said yeah she is some form of Odin in the right. story basically but yeah I think the the game does a good job of like you know kind of making it apparent that yes she's like some form or reincarnation of Odin but she's also like her own person because a lot of times Odin will just like say something and Eivor's just like I'm completely ignoring you I'm just gonna do whatever it is that I have to do what I need to do and that was more apparent than anything else when that final battle with Odin came to play exactly and just like the delivery of like that line where he's just like she's fighting Odin he's like I have 
power. I've given you everything. Yeah. yeah. Like, what else could you possibly want? And just the way it was just like so matter of it's fact, just, so simple. It's just a just simple line. Everything, everything else. Like, else. And you're like blown away by that. It's yeah, just it's little things like that. Like, that was one of them. And then a lot of them I feel like were kind of like um, Easter eggs because. The other one that I really liked was if when you do the Jotunheim arc, mm -hmm. um, if you go to, um, was it Hirokin's cave? I can't remember, but I do remember. Is, is it the Roger Smith, Roger Craig Smith cameo or? Yeah, which he, one are you he, about? he does like a little bit of like Ezio mm -hmm. where you were mm -hmm. um, You have to bring out. Oh my gosh, I'm blinking on her name. I can picture her face, but I can't remember her name. You you have to go to a cave to like get this um, Jotunheim giantess. Something, yeah. I, I think out. I know what you're and, talking about. You have about. to get her yeah. to like attend a party because she's you know mm -hmm. she's she's studying a lot or she's very like you know mm -hmm. um, into the into books or whatever. And so you yep. have to like kind of draw her out. And when you mm -hmm. ultimately succeed in that quest and you get her out of the cave um you hear like a little it's just like a little you know one second thing blink and you miss it type thing but it's it's Ezio's voice going who are you and implies that like you know mm -hmm. that's if when you play ac2 that's like the voice like the other i guess yeah that's Ezio. the voice <laughs> yeah the other um, thing like, uh yeah i think we talked about this as well if you go to all the uh assassin bureaus and collect all six uh Codex pages. Hytham asks you to go to Reda and collect the last one, which basically you get Bayek's voice reading something, reading the yeah. last message out to you, which is like a super cool throwback. So I know it's really sweet. I mean, just like little things. I think, but like you mm -hmm. know, like I said, like they they added up and it just it it just it made the game. That made the basically, game. Yeah. So. Whew. Oh yeah. Um, I'm so I'm definitely looking forward to the river raids that they say would be coming up soon. So yeah, um, and the DLC in March. So I'm like, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to that. So, what do you think? Uh, is uh, what what is this? What are the few things you're looking you're looking forward to in this game at this point? I mean, definitely, like you said, the river raids that promises to be interesting. Um, I one of the DLCs, I forget what it's called. But um, we get to explore Paris, so I'm definitely looking forward to that because again, oh, yeah. it's an environment that we did get to explore with Unity, At least but in this era. it will be very different. Yeah, especially in this era, like you said. Yep. So um, that's definitely one thing. But I'm just really excited to see where the franchise takes us. And I mean, I would love. Um, I, I mean, they've they've done a good job of exploring a lot of different time periods, mm -hmm, and I think a mm -hmm. lot of ones that were. I guess expected in a certain way. Yeah. Like I think you know the ancient Egypt, ancient Greece. Like those are you know um, popular time periods to visit. And now you know um, Vikings oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and ninth century England again. You know mm -hmm. maybe not not as popular as like ancient Greece, but it's still like a notable time period. Mm -hmm. um, so I would love if they did something like I guess less known. And you know there's all these like rumors that they might be doing like. Um, Japan or like India or like something like that. So I would be down. We've for heard like rumors, but let's see. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I'm just excited to see where the franchise takes us because um, so far, I mean, I haven't been disappointed with any of the games that I've played. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely but, agree. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to see where they keep taking like, you know, the modern storyline. Um, mm -hmm. 
where there's gonna what historical time periods they're gonna explore and and where the franchise goes <laughs> <laughs> oh for sure like i honestly i'm looking forward to i mean the game this game has always been great in exploring different time periods in different places so yeah definitely something i'm looking forward to for sure um and yeah let's see um, uh, let's see where it goes they there are some DLCs that have disappointed, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's another can of worms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're not going to talk about that because, like, uh, we've talked about that off recording, and I, I don't think we need to rehash that here. Probably but yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to these DLCs, so at least see um, what they come up with, and especially I want to know where this modern storyline is going to go with Basim because. Oh my god, man. I can't. I I need to know where this is going with Bussy. Yeah, no, that'll be really interesting to see, but um I mean, I guess <laughs> unfortunately we're going to have to wait and see either for the DLCs or for the main the next main entry to kind of tell us what's what's going on yep. with like mm -hmm. the the modern storyline and what the heck Basim is up to and what mm -hmm. sort of trouble he may or may not be causing. So yeah, I mean, it definitely promises to be interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to. Also, do you think there's going to be an AC game this year? I hope not. <laughs> um, if there's I, one thing I feel like yeah. the game development or you know the the franchise, any franchise, whether it's this or um, you know, any other thing has taught us is I think that sometimes taking a would break rather, is always a good thing. Yeah, it, it's a good thing. I think players would rather wait an extra, you know, few months, maybe, um, maybe a year. <laughs> but you know, it, I think it's better to to wait or you know take the time to get it right than put out a game that's been rushed through just for like the sake of like sales or like you know you're worrying about like you know fan reaction or like impatience or whatever mm. and i think this past year has been <laughs> very good at showing us exactly why they should wait because oh my um, god cyberpunk don't we did know not <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately i've heard i haven't played it um and even Valhalla it, but... added yeah like that's what right? that's what i was trying to trying to say like i mean um valhalla is for us an amazing game and it didn't I think there were like minor glitches and you know we complained about them but you know they resolved itself and mm -hmm. um it there was nothing that was like game game breaking at least for the two of us um but uh, a yeah. lot of people have experienced glitches um game breaking bugs all sorts of issues and um Valhalla is I think it's you know it's it's still managed to to be a good game at least for a good chunk of people not i'm sure you know everybody's had different experiences with it but oh yeah um we definitely don't want like a repeat of like you know valhalla or like unity type bugs to come up in the next game so if they are working on another game i hope it's either you know properly developed um yep yep or for sure. you know sometimes breaks are good and i mean i personally i feel like i can't say there's such thing as too much content because I'm like you know if, if somebody puts something out for a franchise that I love I'm just like yes I'll take more oh <laughs> but, yeah for um, sure but I'd rather have but we'd rather have good content right and... exactly and I'd rather we and you know not um 
rushed through so like have something rushed through in a way that like you know it impacts like the story or the game or like mm -hmm. you know our perception of like characters or the franchise or whatever mm -hmm. um which i think some has happened to some games and franchises i'm sure um just because you know like the development team or not maybe not the development team but like the executives just want games out there and making money for them like asap which mm -hmm. you know i understand it is a business but um, still yeah you know you they, they kind of depend on people like us as customers to you know buy the game and <laughs> to buy the game and play yeah, it and, and enjoy it and tell so, you as a, yeah. as a broke person who can only afford to spend so much on games if i know a game is not playable or is not going to function the way i intended i'm not going to buy it oh, i agree with you i agree with you yeah definitely i got i think we got lucky in terms of valhalla because of all the bugs that we've heard of this game having i was lucky and you were lucky as well to not get as many glitches in the I game got, i did get glitches yeah but they were like you know fairly minor and i don't think any like you know like they were annoying when i had them and it some some of them took some fiddling and you know some of them just resolved themselves mm -hmm. and there was a lot of reloading saves involved but yeah for me personally there was like nothing that was game breaking but other people yep. have experienced you know glitches that were a lot worse than that impacted their gameplay and you know in basically some cases, ruined their data. yeah so like you know you that's the type of stuff you want to avoid. And so if they are planning on doing a new game, I hope that they take the time to get it right. And like, you know, for sure, release yep. it when they feel it's ready to be released mm -hmm. and not on a certain date, just because like executives want it on that date, making money by a mm -hmm. certain holiday or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. You want it to be good. You want it to be the best version of the game with as less complications as possible. You're absolutely right about that. So yeah, um, I'm definitely looking forward to the DLCs. I'm looking forward to where the story is going because so far we've enjoyed it and I'm hoping uh, to enjoy more of it for sure. Uh, and if you guys have had the patience to listen to us passing about this so far, thank you. We really appreciate it. Me too. <laughs> um, yes, and feel free to reach out to us about um, if you have any questions or if you want to just find out, uh, if you want to just talk to us about stuff that we geek out about like this or Absolutely. if there's any specific I mean, yeah for sure more than there and i feel like you could never have too many people enthusiastic about a thing oh, talking yeah. about it <laughs> definitely and if you have other ideas for podcasts and stuff that you want us to look at definitely reach out to us we we would love to hear from you so thank you guys and thank you so much for listening to us this is us signing off so bye Thank you. Thanks. Bye. As always, our lovely theme song is Water Lily by the 126ers.